It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. But this little dink ball, no one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs> so I started the hurling show with this good news. 100 supporters allowed at club and inter-county for Monday. Um, club which is great and 200 of the capacity is over 5,000 so listen let's picture the scene a lovely summer Saturday evening Carlo at home to Loud the winner takes all Division 3 200 passionate Carlo fans abusing Ger Brennan towards the end of the game <laughs> <laughs> depending on the result Willie. I know I think it's hugely exciting and it's, 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 it's something that um, the devout supporters in each county will be looking forward to um, uh, hopefully getting a ticket <coughs> how they're distributed will be obviously uh, uh, difficult for the, the county board administrators to come up with some sort of fair system but uh, look it is exciting and it's a step in the right direction um, the game last weekend against against Wexford we, we had about 40 young lads I'd say about 40, 40 and 15 at the back of the fire terrace, uh, the the Bush Ultras, they were calling themselves, <laughs> with their tops off and Carl's tops. So there was a big stand at the back of the stadium in a separate ground. Better throw that in. But uh, it, was, it actually added a bit of atmosphere when the lads were going to do, to do the warm-up on the back pitch. They had to walk past the young lads. Right. So it actually added something to it, even though there's about ah, 30, 40 young lads going mad. For it, do, it doesn't take much. Like there no. were The 500 at the Armad Donegal game made a huge difference. Like turnovers are being cheered and now suddenly you're noticing it more I, I don't know it's, hard, it's, it's crazy how we got used to no no cheering at a point or a goal no cheering at no atmosphere at GA when that's what it's all about yeah and and you do feel off that energy and and look we've, we've been lucky to have played in Crow Park and other great county grounds and, and, and when a great score goes in or <clears throat> a diving block the other end or a great catch from a kick out um, you know when you hear the crowd jump up and get off their feet like it does transfer onto the fields uh, in some shape or form and players do pick up on it and even as a, as a if you have home advantage when you have that crowd there you know you do pick up uh, on it and it, it can become the 16 man uh, on occasion you know so. Yeah How are you handling this week off because I saw Mick Galvin talking about Dublin he says um, they were going to it's nice to have a couple of weeks break now a week off 
uh, from the hard grind because three games in a row has been tough. He's pretty much going to give them a rest this week. Like, I mean, you're probably in a different situation in that you had that rest week mm. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so we, we had a very the rest week Carlo had. Uh, we had a very uh, decent in-house game to, to, to kind of keep the intensity levels up. But probably to, I, I haven't listened to Mick, but looking at the, the, the uh, how fatigued some of our players are, and a lot of the injuries we would have picked up from the Waterford game, we, we five or six hamstrings picked up from the Waterford game, and the training on the Tuesday, Thursday after that. So um, it's about again managing the load, um, trying to get some decent bouts of high intensity work done. But probably no in-house games or AB games are probably necessary for the likes of uh, Dublin or even Carlo. At this stage, we've, we've, we've a good sense of, of of who we have and who is playing well and who's likely to either start or or, or come in. Whereas at the early stages before the league campaign and there was no time to play a challenge game um, you were looking to push lads as hard as you could without actually hurting them so um, yeah but Carlo will probably follow a similar uh, uh, plan as, as, as Mick outlined for the dubs you know yeah exactly Conor Heenan you're here as well and I, I, I know there's a lot of criticism of this league that we're not going to have there's a very good chance we'll have no league finals um, which is farcical I see some people Alan Brogan suggested why don't just the top two teams play the final and the, those top two teams are the two teams to get promoted I was saying surely there's another week in the year put the All-Ireland final back a, back a week um, just one week because that'll only affect club football in the two counties involved all the rest will be playing anyways I don't see anyone Connor suggesting that we use this weekend for more games because like I mean the walking wounded at this stage everyone accepts this weekend a, a break for the players is very important yeah, I think so. I think Jared has kind of said it well there, you know, in terms of the, the, the Carlo lads that have been impacted by hamstring injuries. I think that's the case kind of, um, that's the case all over the shit. That's the case all over the county. It's, it was inevitable given the, the schedule that they've had to put up with, you know, but uh, I, I just I just hope that the, the majority of counties take that sensible approach that Mick Galvin is talking about and that Jared is talking about there and don't, and don't use it as an opportunity to try and get more fitness in the bank because it's, it's rest and recovery that these that these players need at uh, at this stage, and you know not all squads maybe have the, you know I, I was just looking even at Dublin, not all squads have the kind of luxury of being able to rotate their squad as as much as they have. So I think I think the the strength and conditioning lads will make their their voices heard and make sure that it's uh it's rest recovery and getting these lads refreshed for what's to come. That'll be the the main the main kind of item on the agenda for the next couple of weeks. I owe David Tuberty an apology, lads. So on ter- on Monday's show, I said he was 35. Um, he's actually 34 because he tweeted myself and the Gooch and he said, thanks very much for your compliments about the game yesterday, but will you do me a favour and give me a year of my life back? I just turned 34. I'm blaming the Gooch and the League Sunday um, research team because I heard Gooch saying it. I, I w- didn't watch all of League Sunday. I heard Gooch saying 35. I just presumed he was. And um, I don't know. I'm saying to David, it sounds way better uh, playing well at 35. I think you should just go with the 35. It's like, what an amazing person to still be playing at this level at 35. Well, well, and it is amazing that he's still playing and playing so well at this age. I think the older you get, Willie, you're, you're, you're conscious of uh, the manager knowing um, your age profile. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's 35 and now. And yeah. the perception of it, even though he's probably still doing the business and his, his numbers in the gym might be adding up to a fella in his um, uh, mid-twenties. But... Uh, yeah, I think the older fellas get. Um, Mossy Quinn uh, turned 40 a few weeks ago. I'll, I'll give him a shout. Is He's he still, still playing, playing senior football, yeah. 
He's like Benjamin Button for anyone who uh, <laughs> hasn't seen the film. Have a look. He's still see, going. Yeah. You see, when you're an assassin like him, yeah. you can just fi- you can just focus on your finishing and just you know be yeah, on the yeah. end of everything. Yeah, I reckon because he's three kids now, he wants to get out of the house. Oh well, that's, that's how he's mind themselves. So. <laughs> Isn't that why they all play golf? Because it's four hours out of the house. Four hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, like, I mean, he's he's all time National <laughs> League uh, top scorer, uh, Connor. 22-412 all-time um, and some of his teammates I thought this was funny he was interviewed in the, in the appendix he's nowhere near as long playing as the likes of Munley and Cluxton and, and Niall McNamee but some of his some of his teammates the younger lads are asking him uh, did he get the, the, the vaccination because he's, <laughs> because he's so old He's not actually far off now I think it's 40 to 44 that's starting today, Yeah, so, I can know. I can register on Friday so I'm one of those yeah. old fellas <laughs> He's not too far off just that that, that just to note, the the he's the top time all top all time top scorer now in National League history, isn't he? And they, uh, the just the company that he's keeping, it's, it's pretty illustrious. I saw Mickey Kearns up there; he's probably uh, Sligo's greatest ever footballer. Then you've Conor McManus, Matty Ford, Stephen McDonald, uh, Brian Stafford. These lads, so it's good like that. You know, David Tuppy might not always get the recognition. I know we gave him some on the show on Monday. We're giving him show some again today, but it's just that's something he'll always be able to look up, look back on. That you know, even when, when the next person surpasses him as the all-time leading scorer, he'll be talked about with those names, which is great because, as I said, he mightn't get that that sort of recognition besides. Yeah, and he's 34, not 35. And he's just gone 34, which is an important uh, fact as well. So yeah. he's closer to 33 than he is to 35. So again, it's completely taken back, David. Porrick Joyce isn't happy, lads. We didn't spend too much time on this on Monday. So he's pissed off. He says, I'm just after being told... Uh, it, well, he obviously just heard that they were playing Monaghan away. I'm just after being told it's away because they had no home games and we had two home games. So they're being rewarded for breaking a curfew and I find that unbelievable. Now, I think there was some confusion around this. The The, the fact of the matter is before Monaghan broke any COVID rules, Monaghan were down for two home games and Galway were down for one home game. And then Monaghan lost their only home game. So they had two aways and one neutral. So they had no home games at all. Galway had two home games. But like even to begin with, regardless of anyone overstepping the mark, Galway and and Monaghan were in two different groups. So why is that that advantage that Monaghan had in that group was an advantage in that group? It was it, why is that carrying over into an advantage to Monaghan when or to Galway game? Do you get my point? Yeah. If Monaghan and Galway were in the same group, Monaghan had less home games than Galway and the top two teams in that group had to play, you would say, okay, you know, at least that was a clear advantage they had over Galway. But that this, these two teams were not mixing together, so it's irrelevant. And I see a lot of people saying, like, Galway finished higher than Monaghan. So why do Galway have to go to Monaghan? Do you know, based on this silly home and away groups out of out of separate groups? And and we were told um, in Carlo the weekend, if Sligo had a bet loud, we would have been travelling to Sligo because they had less home games than uh, Carlo would have Since had. Since when was a league? Despite Carlo finishing uh, top of their their of their conference, um, I, I, I maybe Porrick Joyce. He's, he, he probably made the comment out of frustration. You know they've lost uh, the weekend again, despite obviously playing that bit better. But you know I think it should be irrelevant, really. Um, to be honest, where you're where you're playing and like. To give credit to Crow Park, and I know we're missing the league finals, which I think is something that they have missed out on. They've made a mistake on, but to do what they've done between uh, managing county boards and and, and and club finals and even semi-finals that are due to be played from last year at the end of the inter-county season and all the different permutations that could have been there, 
you know, they probably forgot to uh, see this particular point that if, if, if it was a Galway or uh, Monaghan meeting each other, that because of Monaghan breaking the rules, do we continue to further punish them? But if the rule was within the league, your three or four games that you're playing, you're, you've no home games. If that's what the sanction was, that's what the sanction was. Yeah. But it's uh, the reasoning then that Monaghan get a home game because they didn't play any home games. I just. I don't know. That doesn't That's, make sense. Yeah, it's, no, it's, 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 it's it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I do. T- I do take the point because when you look at it, at least you're getting a pretty raw deal because they're going away to Down, who can have 500 fans um, at that at that game. Like, but Leash won no. Leash won no none of their games. So can they really argue about having yeah. a away game? Probably not. I think it should go on where you finish in in the league. Like, I mean, Connor, like Down, Cork, and Monaghan are all in relegation matches. Would that not be? Would you not be able to conclude from that that their punishment? of not having a home game did actually count against them yeah no you, you could look at it like that the, the, the way I looked at it from Park Joyce's point of view was that like say if um, when Galway after Galway played Monaghan right the two of them will have played four games Galway have played two of them at home and Monaghan will have played one so like essentially Monaghan's punishment compared to Galway is one less game at home and you know what I mean this could like Mon- Galway could be relegated by by a team that were meant to be punished, but they've only played one less game than them. So I, I kind of see where he's coming from. And also this kind of, this kind of seemed, the realisation that this was all going to happen only came to, like Parik Joyce gave an interview literally, I'm just after hearing that we're going to play Monaghan on the road. So yeah. I don't know, it's just the organisation of it seemed, seemed a little bit haphazard. And th- this comes back to kind of um, what was mentioned maybe b- b- at the weekend about the integrity of the competition you were talking about on Monday. Could they really have allowed an extra week? You know, could they have played the All-Ireland a week later if they're really taking the league seriously? I know, I think this all just contributes to the fact that, you know, it was kind of an oversight at the start and they maybe should have kind of considered all this before, you know, it all comes to light now. Yeah, no, well, that, that's exactly it. And like, I mean, I, I was reading there's like 14 or 15 teams out early in the championship. So yeah, like, yeah. we were never going to have league finals. Like, I mean, yeah. it just slipped under the radar. But like, I, mean, I'd say they must have been coming under pressure from county board officials saying that we still have to fit in last year's finals. And even some counties are only at semi-final stage. I've seen yeah. the club, but I can only imagine that that influenced the thinking um, to reduce the time. But whatever with the Galway uh, Monaghan uh, venue I think it is a massive loss that teams don't get to play in a, in a league final you know, I think that's, uh, that's I think it's a real pity like you know because yeah, no, Lice Ricardo or Loud or Antrim Sligo um, um, those teams that are Waterford actually playing at Antrim like they're not winning Sam Maguire's like and they're not winning provinces either yeah. like the, the league is is what it's about, like in the bit of silverware that these fellas might get in their career. This could be the only chance. You yeah. know, so. It's outrageous, really, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. When yeah, you think of pretty, it, yeah. when you think of it like that, it's not going to affect Kerry and Dublin too much. No. It's just preparing. But the the t- anyone from Division Two, Three, and Four yeah. would definitely appreciate that league league uh, league win. Um, Mike Quirk has been talking about Leash's shooting. So, geez, Leash has just been a disaster. They've been averaging 11 points um, in their three losses. They've got hammered in, pretty much hammered in all three. Um, they have the lowest score, scores scored in all, across all four divisions. So Mike Quirk said last week we had 20, 26 shots and took a very low percentage of them. And this week we had 25 shots and took a le- very low percentage. So 26 shots against Cork, 10 points. 25 shots against Kildare, 1-8. Now, this is horrific. Mike Quirk says they had 28 shots and scored 20. 
We had 26 shots and scored nine. And you're not going to win very many games if that's the case. And it's been a recurring team now in the last three games and particularly the last two against Cork and Kildare where we felt other aspects of game have been pretty good. And this is the interesting one. We're doing it every night at training. Shooting is a huge part of what we do. Uh, we want to be very efficient around the D. That's what we want to pride ourselves on. But whatever it is, it's not connecting right now. Jeez, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, are they overdoing it? Like, I mean, how, what, how do you actually explain this? It's very difficult. You know, uh, when you learned how to drive a car and you're doing your, your theory test and you're thinking about um, everything that's going on between the indicators, the handbrake, the hill starts, you're, you're nearly sweating for the first few months of driving the car. I think everyone can probably relate to that yeah. because you're overthinking every single little move. So if there's too much awareness brought to the fact that our shot to score ratio is considerably less than 50%, yeah, uh, most decent teams are probably 65 to 70% shot to score ratio, well then players are clearly overthinking it. So as a guy is pulling the trigger, no doubt going through his head is, feck, I need to get this over now. And what that happens is it just creates a blockage in the natural uh, movements or striking of the ball or the thought processes. Um, and then he's missing by a couple of inches. Now, again, I haven't seen any of the leash games or I haven't seen the, 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 the pitch map where these shots are being scored and being missed. Um, so we probably need that uh, information in front of us to make a, a better informed decision. But to be scoring 1-8, to be scoring 11 points is a pretty low return. And particularly, we talked about it over the last couple of weeks, most teams are playing very uh, offensive uh, type football where scores are kind of quite high and getting yeah. close and closer to the hurler. So, so maybe they are overthinking the woolly. Maybe uh, uh, they don't practice uh, shooting or they don't talk about practicing shooting. They just let it happen naturally and then see uh, uh, see where it goes from there. You know, that's thing. Well, here's the thing, Connor. Like, I mean, that's the point Jer makes there. Where like Mike Quirk talks about, we're very efficient around that D. Like, if you're over talking about, we know Dublin. You never shoot from a difficult angle or always, you know, shoot when it's almost a gimme. Like if you were to tell another county to copy that. Now, I'm not saying this is what Leash are doing. I have no insight into that camp. That's long since gone since I started working in the media. But if you're if you're overly discussing, you know, where you shoot from. Well, then if a player has an opportunity slightly outside of that, you know, would it, you know, a little thought come into a player's mind? You know, maybe again, we could be guilty of overanalyzing something here. Yeah, well, well, first of all, Willie, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I, I can't speak for Leash, obviously, and, and you don't, you don't have your in anymore. But like, I wouldn't be surprised. Just the nature of the GA, nature of intercounty GA, tends to be quite copycat. And if Dublin are the ones that are, you know, the Dublin, Dublin are so efficient, and they tend not to take on even, you know, even medium percentage shots. It's all, it's all high percentage shots that they're taking on. And so if they're doing that, people are looking at Dublin as the model. And I'm, I'm. I'm sure in a lot of inter-county camps around the country that they're thinking, we have to do what Dublin do. and We have to get our percentages up. The, Alicia's percentage obviously isn't up. The, the one thing to say is that like 1-8, 10 points, it isn't going to win you games anymore, as Jerry is saying. But that's I, I would love to see. I've only seen bits and pieces of Leash. I, I would love to see the shot maps, uh, uh, as Jerry said, and just to see where they are shooting from. And is it the case that like you hear my quirk on about the D, that, that they're so focused on getting the D, that the players who would naturally think about shooting from maybe a little trickier positions aren't doing that anymore. But I think Jer makes a very good point in that, like, the more the more you think about it, and even even Mike Quirk, you know, I, I know he has to explain why they're scoring so low, but even Mike Quirk talking about that as well might get into players' heads as well. But I don't know, it could be a thing that they're just 
we're only a couple of games into the league. They need to get their flow going. But like, I would be very, very one eight and ten points. That, that's that's not going to get you close anymore. That's that uh, as what happened against Kildare at the weekend. That's going to give you a beating. Like that's that's something that needs to get up to, as he said, close to twenty points. Like this sooner rather than later. Yeah, any sort of a natural forward, I would never discourage from shooting. Like, I mean, you have extreme examples, a bit like Bernard Brogan when Pat Gilroy took over. He needed the odd time. Now Bernard, like, we don't want to shoot. You shoot from your left. You know, he was overdoing. It. I think Connor Cox could bring other players in to play a little bit more, yeah. but he, he's it's nearly too selfish at times. Just get that out of them. But I would never, I would never ever over analyse shooting that's something that comes completely naturally to a player and they instinctively know when that's on and when it's not yeah and I, I, I'm thinking back to playing under uh, Pillar Caffrey and, and one of the mantras that was there with Pillar was was, was, was get the ball to a shooter so um, as a defender you'd be breaking the line and you'd be in say for me 30 yards out well able to pop a point of him in that range 40 yards out it's a second two or a ten shot really for me, so so no point taking it. Whereas with Poppets with Darren McConnelly or Bernard Brogan, that's probably an eight out of ten shot for those kind of fellas. So I think as an individual uh, player, uh, individual players need to be encouraged to understand where their particular scoring zone is and whether it's close to the goal or further away. But when you do discourage guys from um, uh, not taking the, the, what would you call it, not taking a shot which is well within their range, which could be further right to the post or further left of the post, but they're well able to get uh, get it. But uh, I know meandering here is small, but but it does definitely get into a guy's head. And I remember that from Pillar, get the ball to a shooter. So I was a couple of times breaking forward and well able to take a shot who was on. Um, I remember stopping and turning back and hand passing to one of the lads who could be under pressure or getting blocked down or there could be two fellas marking him because he's the shooter. You're overthinking and, it. And then, then you're overthinking it, yeah. yeah. So so that's also something that could be going on. Yeah, that's the problem. I think, like, if if, if you're shooting and anything, if there's anything in your head other than this is going over the bar, there's a good chance it won't go over the bar. Do you yeah. know what I mean? If any thoughts are going... And again, I'm not being critical of Mike Quirk because the only... The only feedback I've gotten from Mike Quirk from anyone is that, you know, it's all very positive and stuff. So I'm just taking these stats and maybe, you know, trying to get do a little bit of a kind of analysis um, on it. So Alicia's biggest problem is that all their good Division One level players are all old. You have Mark Timmons at 35, John O'Loughlin at 32, Kieran Lillis 32, Donny Kingston's 31 this year, Colin Begley 35. You know, and let's be honest, Leash at underage level for the last 10 years have produced some very little. So we think they're good players in Leash because they're good in Leash club football, but that doesn't mean that they're good inter-county footballers at a Division 1, Division 2 kind of level. So maybe we're kind of reaping uh, what we saw a little bit on that report. May, uh, Connor, it's good to have you back on the show today because um, usually we, we've been accused in the past of overdoing the Mayo chat on this show. Um, well, you know I've always had a bit of a graph for them getting over the line and winning in All-Ireland. And like, I mean, they've been a very exciting team. There's two reasons for this. They're in Division 2 now and we don't do much analysis on Division 2. And you haven't been on the show pushing the agenda. So here you go. You have the open mic now. Give us your report on Mayo. Well, first of all, Will, you can never talk about Mayo too much, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure your numbers probably affect the fact that anytime you do talk about Mayo, the the audience goes through the roof. But um, listen, I'd like what what can you say so far? Like we've three of the wins, two, like two of them were very comfortable. Won them against Westmead, not so much. I think we're um, I think we're the highest scorers in all four divisions outside of Kerry. Playing some really good stuff at times, not so great at times. Westmead was was a bit of a struggle to be honest, but. 
um, I suppose what you want from from a league campaign like this is is for some individuals to stand out and maybe to kind of signs that you're bringing on a couple of players and in that like like Matty Ruan has been having a fantastic league Wally um, Oshie Mullen's been very impressive Tommy Conroy was brilliant against Down and showed signs that he's put on, put on a bit of muscle as well which he probably yeah. needs for playing against the, the bigger team so there's been loads of experimentation and, you know, being able to do that because a couple of the games have been so comfortable. And then Aidan O'Shea is back and there's been no real injury concerns as well. So the, the one I'd have a couple of big, pretty big concerns. Um, one of them was that how badly we struggled when Westmead played a blanket defence and completely nullified our full forward line. And the other is that we haven't nailed down a half, a half forward line at all. Like, I think... A couple of lads that have started, Jordan Flynn and Fionn McDonough have started two games, both been taken off at half time, And then we've had a different centre forward, I think, for every game because it looks like they're trying to play Ryan O'Donoghue in the full forward line Sad this year out. as opposed to the wing forward line. So it looks all set for me for Aidan O'Shea to come back in 11 because he seemed that the, like there's only a few players at the start of every game, but two of them have been Matty Ruan and Jermaine O'Connor at midfield. So he seems to have settled on that. So listen, it's it's, it's been mostly positive so far the quality of the opposition down particularly I was very disappointed by Mead made loads of changes at the weekend so you know you know you kind of worry about maybe how competitive the games have been but as positive as it can be kind of outside of that yeah they're definitely continuing their very attacking uh, style of play and and they did introduce an awful lot of new faces last year so I suppose new fa- a lot less new faces this year more you know building up the Tommy Conroy's the old McLaughlin's you know in their, in pretty well it's, I don't think it's Tommy Conroy's second second year but you know move, you know bringing these fellas on a level from last year yeah, and some of them are like, say, the likes of like Oshin Mullen, whereas you can argue all day about whether fullback is his best position, but he's playing there all the time. He seems to be guaranteed as as Horns number three, same as like Tom, Ryan O'Donoghue's been around for, around for a while, but that was his first real season last year as a you know a regular starter. So he seems to be embedding them in a, in, in the full forward line himself and Tommy Conroy uh, alongside Killian as well. And just he's not letting, you know, in fairness, like Old McLaughlin, young play, long footballer of the year last year. He hasn't started him. I think he's only started maybe once and taken him off a couple of times. So not kind of letting them, you know, not letting them settle either and not being afraid to make kind of big decisions. Like if you're not performing, you're going to be, you know, you you can't get comfortable basically, which is, I suppose, what you want in the competitive team as well. And to be honest, Mayo lost so many experienced players as well that you kind of need to cast the net a bit wide to see who's going to maybe, um, who's going to take up the mantle from from the, the lads that have been around for so long and, and who have retired. So, but look, look, it's 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 looking, it's looking, um, it's looking quite positive so far. I mean, I would be concerned about the. I think Clare will be tough in the in the semi final, but you know we're going from playing Division Two teams into then playing uh, Leitrim and probably Sligo ahead of playing Galway or Roscommon in the Connacht final. So that might be an issue, but that that's like James Horan can't do much about that un, un, until we get to that level you know No James Horan won't be too concerned about Galway or Roscommon at the moment anyways by the looks no. of things but you, you'd, you'd have to say um, Ger like you ha- just how refreshing Mayo are the way they approach the game we know they're not as strong as they were three or four years ago he didn't do anything he, if anything he went more aggressive and looked to kick more football and I think because you know obviously from years ago you say oh Kerry and Mayo put it up to Dublin and everybody would be going oh well we're not as good as Mayo or, or, or Kerry but I think there'll be four or five teams looking now saying that we are as good as Mayo and we can play football like them and I think Mayo have inspired Donegal Tyrone Monaghan to change their styles and come out of their shell a little bit and go look why don't we just go at teams like Mayo do and play on the front foot instead of playing on the back foot yeah and, and I've 
I've said it a few times on the show that the, the blueprint that Mayo have been 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 putting out there when they're playing against Dublin, it, 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 it's it's uh, a blueprint that works. And against and, anyone, not and against anyone, Dublin. yeah. And and, and uh, unfortunately, in the few All Ireland finals or, or semi finals against Dublin, uh, they've just missed that tiny bit of quality probably up front to, 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 to get them over the line when the opportunity was there. But um, looking to how they are performing now, I think going, you know, they won Division 1 League about two years ago when Horn came back in and now down to Division 2 and it is another opportunity to give a lot of these younger guys and the fellas who were successful in the All-Ireland in their 20s a couple of years ago, give those guys more uh, more game time. Albeit, Connor mentioned, the quality of opposition isn't obviously as high as Division 1, but what Mayo have in their memory banks is they know what high-intensity um, August Championship football is all about and uh, they have had many uh, a poor uh, league campaign over the years, but they managed to get the best out of themselves when they are coming to the latter stage of the Championship, even when they've gone through the back doors, having poor uh, um, uh, Connacht campaigns that they're they're able to up it and, and they're able to peak at the right time. So I wouldn't be overly worried about them uh, for the latter stage of the championship, um, having not played in Division One. But it is exciting. We all want to see uh, forward uh, attacking football. Um, and again, the word foot I think is key, where fellas are looking to uh, progress the ball down the field uh, 30, 40 yards as opposed to just working through the hands which for me is very, very boring and, and very unskilled, really, because you can train most fellas to, to, to get to a level of conditioning and teach them how to hand pass, even if they're not from Ireland, and to run up and down the pitch all day. But there's not a massive amount of skill or excitement about that, in my own view. No, I would be completely in agreement with that. Right, the double-back move, lads. I want to talk about this double-back move, right? So we saw Conor McCarthy get two goals using it. Um in the first uh, or in the Donegal game last weekend oh, we saw Conor Callaghan getting the goal against Kerry Ty Morley just let him go and he doubled back and got the fist pass Con did it again for a hand pass point Dylan McHugh he sold Dylan McHugh down along the, the sideline you'd imagine Dylan McHugh would have been a little bit wise to it after seeing Con do it to, to Morley Darren McCurry did it for his first uh, point, uh, did Conor Boyle, the double back got it. Kevin Feely did it in a leash in the highlights, double back around a half forward line that was, Jer. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's a great move. Why are we seeing it so often? Like, I mean, Con- Conal Keeney was on the show here rec- or today doing the hurling show and he said they were practising it in Ballyboden training the other night. Yeah, uh, well, Conor uh, mentioned there that, that uh, uh, there's a lot of sheep in Gaelic football and you <laughs> see one team doing it well. <laughs> Everyone tries to copy off it. But the first team that I experienced doing that was, was Cork under Con. What's Con? Con Coonahan. Uh, and it'd be interesting to ask uh, Colin when, he, when he's back on again. Uh, but their half forward line uh, in 2010 11, when they obviously bet down, uh, they bet down 2010 All Ireland final, their half forward line used to quietly walk back towards the midfield and hope that the half-back line would go with them and all of a sudden the ball be popped over the space in behind either to the full forwards with those guys coming off the shoulder or it would actually be popped over to like uh, I can't remember really some of their names now the big lads are on the middle for Cork and centre forward Pierce O'Neill or Nicholas Pierce O'Neill. Murphy yeah what's it what's, yeah. Nicholas Murphy Nicholas Murphy and, uh, but they were great at doing it and once you copped on to it you were able to stop it but I don't know how defenders are continuing to get caught out by it like if a ball is being kicked in from 60 yards out or 40 yards out, you want your corner back to be tight on the hip of the corner forward or full forward, slightly ahead of him even, yeah. and get a hand in. But as soon as the ball has worked inside the defensive 45, you just... Go behind him. You got, you, you, yeah, you have to. Like if he gets the simple five-yard hand pass, 
your job is to not be overzealous and, and, and cause a foul but just force them backwards and if, if, if they have to go back outside the 45 and loop around yeah. that's fine stick with your man just be patient and someone else will get a turnover elsewhere but where fellas so, are overzealous it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a coaching thing for me as a, as a defender it's, it's something which uh, now I didn't have massive pace so I, I never got done for being out in front anyway so I was but, that, but that's the, the, the <laughs> most basic coaching to a cornerback is if the ball is in the half back line be in front of your man so mm. that when he looks up he doesn't see any option to kick Yes. but when it gets to the half forward line and they can give you some lovely ball in behind yeah. if you can kick it out you have to get behind him then exactly, and yeah. make sure that the, you're, you're you know protecting against the, yeah. the, the goal well, Johnny like, Cooper probably got caught out actually the weekend he was taking the chance out in front but it was a super ball in uh yeah, by Paul Conroy. Uh, yeah. Paul Conroy, and, 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 and I know you chatted about that on Monday, but uh, that's, yeah, you, you, as a defender, there's, there's no one when to push up and then no one when you just got to be a bit more sensible here, like, you know. Yeah. Do you ever get sold by the double back move, uh, Connor? Not a long time, Willie, because I wouldn't, like Jerry, I wouldn't be blessed with pace. So, you know, just try, try to take the safe option a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, stay but, behind. <laughs> but, but, like, just, just on what Jerry said there as well, like, it's a coaching thing, but, I, like, some of it is just a common sense thing. Like, you know, like, the one that really annoyed me, I have to say, was um, Conor Callan's uh, goal against Kerry when Tyke Morley was on him. Because if, if you just look at it back, where, where Con was when he decided to do the double back, he was practically at the corner flag. You know, with, with enough defenders around him there to, to, to provide some sort of safety net. And Ty Marty got right up against him and then allowed him to do the the double back and get on and go. Whereas I was thinking if if he didn't do that, he would literally been popped a five yard hand pass by I think it could have been Kirk Kenny. But his only option if Ty had just been, you know, sensible and shepherded him out to the sideline was he either would have had to either go in a loop, take him on, and maybe take on a point, which he wouldn't have probably done until he reached the D because Dublin don't do that, or he would have just had to recycle again. Whereas by you know by not using his head and by getting so tight towards him, he just let Con in for an easy goal. And it's like you've said it already. This is like of, of all people to do it. Like I would have associated with Andy Moran doing it a lot, but Conor Callan does it all the time and has done it in loads of big games. And you'd like to think if like one of the first parts of analysis against Conor Callan would be to watch out for that double back move. So it just like I, I'd say it's coaching, but it also you know I think the defenders themselves have to take an individual responsibility just to you know just be a bit more sensible about it. There, there, there was there was a great example where uh, the weekend where Galway did it very very well and Cormac Costello. Cormac got the ball in the, not so much in the right corner forward position but close to the sideline and the defender just shepherded him out but the Galway there's two other Galway players they sensed they sniffed there's a turnover on here and they all converged around them and, and uh, um, Galway went up the field and uh, kicked a great point from that so as a, a as a defender your your opportunity to win the ball back is if the ball is being kicked in you take the chance out in front if again it's, it's a simple little hand pass uh and you're leaving space and behind you, you just have to be a bit more patient. And like Connor mentioned, you just got to force him back out the field and hope that someone else will uh, turn him over. But it's like, fellas, it's nearly like there's a shot clock there to get the ball back and that it's all helter-skelter. But sometimes you just have to just kind of stand up and don't dive in and force your man yeah. back. You know? Force him out and then yeah. maybe a half-back will help you out with him or yeah, get hands yeah. on him when he gets it. Like, that's the kind of that's the kind of defending. We used to, there was a sideline move me, we used to mess around with with Port Leash it involved the double-back. My problem with the double-back in all my life, I did it loads of times, but you never get it. Mm. Now they're getting it. The amount of times you double-back and a fella on the ball won't give you that ball. It's not a. It's not. It's an unusual ball to give, and players are afraid to give it. I find, and I've often done it without getting the ball. Well, some of them don't see it, Willie. The yeah. guys in possession don't see it, and 
it's not that they don't have the the capability of of of, of giving that pass, particularly if it's a kick pass from a sideline as opposed to the, the hand pass is easier to execute. But where fellas have been coached to keep possession, keep possession, don't force it. Um, we with Dublin under Pat Gilroy when we were being faced with a couple of sweepers, he used to say to Owen O'Gara, "Come right out to the sweepers, Berners, come right out to the sweepers," and he could be nearly on the thirty, forty metre line, and we'd see it being set up, and I threw in a load of balls over the top, behind Owen, and it was a, it was a sixty forty ball, but but we got a few goals off it now, but it was a, a longer kick than some of the things that you're describing now but yeah. uh, but it has to be coached as well like you know and encouraged we we used to do a, a sideline move uh, I would just be messing around with it where say you're, you have a sideline ball around midfield you have a half forward in front of you you have a corner forward in front of you and the the corner forward comes out shouting for it yeah 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 my ball he runs past the half forward and uh, the ball doesn't go to him the half forward turns around and doubles back into his position and it goes over his head and like like I mean, that that kind of stuff works, but it might yeah. work once in a game. Yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't get away with it twice. Yeah. But I I don't know, Connor. Would you like to see more kind of set moves? I often see even at the very highest intercounty level, a sideline ball and a confusion around who you're going to give it to. Like that's a set <laughs> yeah, move. Yeah. Like this can easily be planned. This is not off the cuff. This is a plan, and you are going to have. I guarantee you. Okay, how many? Three, four. Sideline balls around the midfield area. What are you going to do with them? An intercounty player scratching his head at the, at the highest level. And then he points, in you go, go in, go in, and he drills <laughs> it in. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I'm just surprised that there's, 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 there's not more from, let's say, the throw. Obviously, the throwing is dependent on, you know, you're your winning the ball. But once you win the ball, you know, the famous one is, is the one that Dublin did for the, for the All-Ireland final last year, which they practised in the which they practiced in the warm-up, practiced in nearly every warm-up and executed it in the first minute of the biggest game of the year. And there's such a, um, like, it hasn't happened to me too often, but there's such a, I imagine when it did work in Port Leash, Bully, that there's such a sense of satisfaction that comes out of it, knowing that we spent time working this on the training ground and it worked to perfection. And, you know, we got we got our score out of it in the end. Whereas, as you said, it's just, you know, with, with these set plays that people know are going to happen multiple times during the game, do you know that, that that there's probably not more not more thought put into it. We we had the throw in one with Liam Cairns where I would have been left half forward and it was for me to get on the box. I had pace and the wind to throw in. I'm looking disinterested and then I just sprint to the other side of the field. And as I sprint to the other side of the field, the other wing forward comes my side, the centre forward comes my side and the corner forward on that side sprints across. So when I get the ball on that far side, we win it hopefully. The midfielder gets it. It's a right-footed kick, yeah. handy kick for him. I'm breaking onto that at pace, and nobody's nobody's yeah. around me. I don't think it worked once. It was brilliant in theory. We practiced it loads of times. And I, you know, when you do these walkthroughs, you think this is the greatest yeah, move yeah, of all yeah. times. But <laughs> I don't think I'd ever worked in a match. We did it. It got close to working in a match, but it didn't actually. But I liked even that. It gave me confidence that we were trying these things and we had these things in our locker. Yeah, and 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 even actually for for players at the start of a game when when the, the nerves are high. When you have a kind of set play set up, if you do win the throw up, um, it actually helps focus them uh, a bit and gets them into the game. But look at I think I think I think throw ups are so unpredictable, really. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to know who's who's going to win them, like you know. Yeah. But, well, uh, not for Mayo because Aidan O'Shea always wins them. Although it, he didn't win that one that Connor's talking about in the other final because James McCarthy won it and set up that goal, which yeah. was a which was a really big one. Charlie Oak Burns is brilliant at winning the the throw ups as well. F- we'll, 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 one other one here, lads, is fisted points. Uh, Gerald, start with you. Con did it at the weekend. He's an assassin. Kieran Kilkenny 
did one it was one of the worst fist pass to the points to say it was a throw it just landed on the top of the net it was like he threw a rock there was no kind of you know <laughs> fist yeah. action into it all Fenton did it straight throw and goal Brian Fenton I could never I never thought he would sink as low Jamar Hall did it Jamar Hall always does it Dermot O'Connor did it twice there's loads of them anyways and we've talked about this before when is it acceptable to fist a point in a game of Gaelic football for me last minute you're a point up and to put two points up I'll take it at that stage I take it at that stage and I'd also take it if the angle that the guy is coming in at is really, really tight and it's it's the best chance of, of, of securing a point as opposed to a kick pass. But where some of the examples you described there from seeing them on the uh, League Sunday, you know, if the goal is on, I, I'm all for going for a goal. Like, you know, just just keeps keep heaping the pressure on because you don't get too many goal chances in the game. No. And someone with the quality of the, the players you, uh, that you mentioned there, they're well able to kind of uh, uh, place the ball into the corner. Um, I, ac- I accept the coming in at an angle. I've, I've fished yeah. past the plenty of points. Yeah, Because yeah. if you're coming in at an angle, you need to be a bit of an assassin because you probably need to, to, to dummy to cut in the field yeah. then to shoot at goals. And like, that's not easy. There could be a covering player. I'll accept it coming in at an angle, like you're saying. But Fenton's was straight down the, yeah. the you know, and other ones. Even with Con coming in at an angle, it's still, pro- Con is such a good goal scorer. I'd probably criticise him if I was managed to say, Con, you can work a goal out of that easily. Yeah, well, and, and even the angle Con came in, uh, the Cormac Hustle's goal against Roscommon the previous week, uh, the ball was passed back to Cormac, um, where was a con the pass? I think it was con the pass. Him where he did cut it. He 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 cut back in, tried to create himself a better angle, and then laid it off the corner and he put it in. But I would say in the likes of con, he probably looked at what was inside. Maybe there wasn't anything on, and he just wanted to keep the scoreboard ticking over and just put the ball over the bar. Sometimes if you're under pressure, Woolly in the game, the game potentially going against you, and you've missed a few easy scores, you know that's nearly uh, as a, a, a psychological. Uh, impact on the squad and, uh, and the oxygen can kind of be taken out of your own momentum and then the guy in possession says right let's just get another ball over the bar and get us back into the game we put a squeeze on for the opposition kick out but it, it's uh, I'm all for going for goal if it's on bar the last couple of minutes of a game and you, you you just want to kill any hope that the opposition have pop it over the bar you go four points in the lead there's only two minutes left or you go five points in the lead there's only two minutes left or if it's a ridiculously tight angle you've had a scan inside they've extra bodies there and there's no uh, supporting player or not enough supporting players which let's pop the ball over the bar you know? Yeah, when you see uh, Peter Hart uh, scoring his goal oh, like, yeah. like I mean that was a rocket and we've seen Michael Langan doing it twice now I don't know why I keep talking about Brian Fenton it probably means being so disappointing in him he's rattled in goals he yeah. rattled in screamer goals like pile drivers like that he, that's why it, it, I was disappointed with him but like I mean why is the idea, Connor, that it's the sensible option to fist it over the bar? It's not. Look what Peter Hart and Michael Langan did. Like, I mean, the, this is, for me, when you're running, bearing straight down and goes straight in front of the goals, not in at the angles. Let's let's give a pass on the angles. Yeah. Like, no player should ever hand pass over the bar coming straight down at, at the goals. It's not the sensible option. It's a safe option. That's what they should call it instead of the sensible option. It's yeah. only sensible yeah. as when you've said it there, that if you know that it's the last play of the game and you're, you know, you're two on goal, you're a point up and makes it two, and they don't, the other team doesn't have a chance to come down and get a goal. Or the one I had was when Jerry was saying exactly what they used to call the insurance score, what they call the insurance score when you might be two minutes left, you're three points up, and that makes it four, or that makes it five. That yeah. Even if the other team do go down and get a goal, that it's you're still going to win the game. That's when. That's the only. That's the only thing. That's the only time I could call it sensible. But the, the rest of the time, it's just safe. Like the the the. 
the standout example for me, I saw Willie, you shared the, the clip that you had um, a couple of years ago with Keane and Conan talking about the, the plague of fist points, uh, fist of points in the game. The example is the Ulster final, Cavan against Donegal. And the name escapes me who was through on goal. But this was, you know, this was a chance for Cavan to make such an impact on the game. And he just fisted over the bar one-on-one. There was nobody around him. It's like, that was not the sensible option. This was your chance to really kind of, you know, put a, put a thorn in Donegal's side. So I don't know. I don't know why it's called, I don't know why it's called sensible. Like Brian Fenton, it's like, Geez, I, I I would have thought better of you, Brian. Was, was how I was thinking. It. You know, he always yeah. takes the right the right option. And the only one I could defend the ones I saw there at the weekend was there was one of Jeremy O'Connor's. I think he was coming the Jeremy O'Connor for Kerry. I think he was coming into traffic in front of him. Do you know, so like if he was to have a shot, it would have been through a couple of bodies. And do you know, he was after running to escape a fella, and it was just easier to maybe loop it over the bar because there was no real option, and easier to do that than kick it over the bar. But the vast, you know, apart from the the examples you've said where an angle where nobody is on, you know, or when it's safe, when it's, you know, three, you know, last minute of the game, point up and you said, you know, you know, you know that it's going to basically be the game over after that. I don't think it's, it's certainly not sensible. I wouldn't think it's excusable, but I don't call it sensible because it's just safe. Yeah, I think a COCOM brought that sensible thing and the commentators are copying that sensible thing. But another point, Jerry, is a lot of the... The, the fist past the points that are coming in at tight angles they're all thrown over the bar as well yeah they're not a proper strike in action there, there was a rule trials I know millions of them have been trialed but maybe seven or eight years ago where you could only get a fisted point it had to be a close fist yeah or even maybe the hand pass. I don't think you were allowed to open hand. I'm trying to remember what the year. I think it was there was the pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so because I, I remember specifically doing that in training, and 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 Pat Gilroy, if he was referencing some of the games, blowing you up for for uh, a hand pass. Action. Yeah. So, so, so here's one for you. So years ago, you could uh, I don't know when the rule changed. You could hand pass the ball into the net. Right, the bomber list and loved one of them. Yeah, uh, the Camogie Association thankfully got rid of the the old dreaded hand pass into the uh, into the net for Camogie. That's only gone, I think, from last year. So, do we get rid of the hand pass uh, hand pass points? Whatever with the Palm goal, that's different. But do you get rid of the hand pass points? Yeah, I, w- I would be on for getting rid of it. Or else start the campaign here today. I would be I would be on for giving it half a point instead of a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like I mean there has to I don't know. Like but I mean, it's a bit like awarding the mark for the, the catch into the stomach as opposed to you know. Uh, would the game be that. losing anything from losing the fist past the point? Oh no, I think it would add much more excitement. Here's a guy coming through. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't lose anything. No, no, no. I think it would add to it. Like yeah. you know, is he going to get it to tight angle? Or a guy's coming through, Michael Darren McCauley, he's going to fist it over the tight angle. That's what Michael Darren does. Um, as opposed to Michael Darren, he's not known for his kick passing. Is he going to score off the boot? I think it just adds a whole element of excitement to it, yeah. Yeah. If Michael Darren McCauley, he's a player of the year and a brilliantly effective yeah. player, if he played in the 80s, he wouldn't get near the Dublin panel. Yeah, Because yeah. the game was based around kicking yeah, and it's, yeah. not, it's nowhere near his strong point. <laughs> Come here, I wanted to ask you about this one, Jer, because I thought it was interesting, is the Donegal free take. And we obviously know Michael Murphy is out. And the very first free they got the other night was uh, Niall O'Donnell got it and missed it. Now, they got another one then and Michael Langan took it. Now... It looked to me like that's something might happen in a club match where you haven't actually discussed this yeah, in yeah. any way and it's just like, oh, I'll take it or oh, no, I'll do Like, surely Michael Murphy's out. Who's our designated free taker now? Now, if this was Niall O'Donnell, you're not giving up after one free, are you? Or, you know, did that look, it looked a little bit amateur to me. 
And I, I, I would agree with you there. It, it's something that you wouldn't see at inter-county level. I think a manager... Uh, I, I, just to cut you off, yeah. Paddy McBreerty then started taking it. It says three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what can happen then as well is, is, is when there's no consistency in the free taker and say after maybe the third free, if he misses that, well then let's make a change here. But when there's no consistency, that can bring about a bit of nervousness and anxiousness amongst, amongst the squad. And then you're, 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 you're depending more on hope as opposed to a possible outcome, which you obviously get with the likes of Michael Murphy or Dean Rock when he's, when he's going well. You know, most of them are going over. But um, I don't know, as a, as, a, as a coach or a manager, if you're going into a, a game like that, you will have had it boxed off with the, the, the Tuesday, Thursday before the Saturday, Sunday game. And that, well, you're on the uh, free kicks. You're on the free kicks until such a point that uh, you feel that it's not working out for you or... Um, whatever, but certainly three or four free kicks. I think is, is uh, if you're missing all of them, well then maybe I'll pass it off. Yeah, yeah I, do, I do pass it off. But and then sometimes you might get a handy free kick in front of the goal over the bar. It kind of settles you down. But uh, it it's it, it's a problem. I would say for for Donegal um, if they're overly uh, reliant on, on Murphy. And again, he's no spring chicken. Uh, even though he's still doing the business, but if he picks up another soft tissue injury. Or he's not back in, ta- in time for the first round of championship. That's something that uh, Donegal will have to correct. Yeah, exactly. Um, come here, Connor. Joe Brawley's been given out about Connor McCarthy. Now he criticised him on air, and I was very curious about this interview because I thought he actually did a mock interview in the Sunday Independent at the weekend. And I read the mock interview, and I went, I wasn't sure he was making that up, but I, I went looking for the Connor McCarthy. Um, interview and she said it wasn't half as bad as what I like it would be very unlike Joe probably now to exaggerate something I didn't think it was that bad because the reality here is Conor McCarthy scored 3-1 in the first half he never got a kick in the second half uh, Monaghan threw away a huge lead and Conor McCarthy actually missed a point to win the game so like is Conor McCarthy meant to be jumping out of his skin bragging about his 3-1 in the first half <laughs> like, I mean what was Joe Brawley expecting that's exactly what Joe Brody was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just watched the back. Uh, I just watched the back again today. It's all the time. Watch the back again today, just to, to just to make sure that I hadn't seen something different. I hadn't missed something that Joe was on about. But it, it was a perfectly fine interview. And like the way, it, like the Conor McCarthy, you know, everybody has to be a team player as well. The context that he was looking at it was is that we were nine points up. As you said, he missed a chance to win the game, and then we've gone on to draw in the game. And the thing about it is, like Monaghan, this could be what gets Monaghan relegated. You know, like if, if when, when when they look back at it at the end of it, they, they it, it would be when you didn't protect the lead nine points up against Donegal. So, like that's, uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, I didn't think my standards. You know, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it at all. Like maybe my standards are not that high because we're listening to count, countless players just talking about sticking to the process over and over again. But I thought it was a perfectly elo- eloquent interview from from Conor McCarthy and just you know not everyone is the next extrovert like like Joe Brawley is. And and the other thing about it is if 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 Conor McCarthy did what Joe Brawley expected and was all happy about his hat-trick, you would have had loads of people say, what's this fella so happy about? Monaghan had just thrown away a nine-point lead and thrown away the game, so you can't win. Just just Joe... Joe being Joe and, and exaggerating for effect, I think. Yeah, and like I mean, it's funny, like because Conor McCarthy went out of it in the second half. He definitely uses that as a stick to beat the Gooch on. Uh, I don't want to mention this match where Gooch was brilliant in the first half. Chair, um, no, I no bring problem, up here yeah. from memory, yeah, no, no, no. but probably, probably uh, he uses that as a stick to beat the Gooch in. In that the great players play well the whole game, so he he's using that 
to say Gooch isn't a great player, but then he wants Conor McCarthy to completely be delighted after a really bad second half and missing a point to win the match. And, and Conor is someone I know fairly well. Four or five years in, in, in UCD, won two Sigurdsons and those three goals he got against Donegal. We've seen him do them uh, for UCD as well. So he's a super player. Is he practising a good bit on the right? Um, I, 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 he's, we used to play him inside with the college and on occasion come out to the 45 we were under pressure because he's, he, he's such a good passer with the foot and uh, he's always playing the ball forward as well. So so uh, that's how we try to utilise him. But I think with, with Connor, if you look at his... his um, position in the first 15 over the last number of years he was always in and out under Maliki O'Rourke uh, Conor McManus was the, the, the mainstay in, in Monaghan's too and uh, uh, is it Jack McCarran uh, Jack McCarran was, was in there uh, and, and it seemed to be a battle between Jack and Conor to get that other place up alongside uh, uh, McManus whereas Maliki O'Rourke had a load of workhorses in the 45 uh, metre line midfield bigger guys which obviously Connor is, is a McCarthy's more slight so I think what we'll see with Connor McCarthy the more game time he's given uh, the more trust he feels and the more love he feels from the manager uh, he's not someone who kind of um, looks for it in terms of uh, poor me but he's someone who will definitely Reacts respond to it, it and, and would, uh, would react to it so um, Connor's disappointment right and this is probably says a lot about Joe's personality and uh, uh, egotism uh, in comparison to most other uh, elite athletes is that the best players in any sport are, are get pissed off on the very small things that they miss and it's just the nature of the beast and if you are not one of those individuals who is nearly overly critical on, on, on particular aspects of your game despite, despite scoring 3-1 in the first half well then you'll only be uh, an enigmatic God, he was a great player. He got three one against Donegal in the first half. Brilliant, brilliant in the club uh, championship. But as he, I think it's Clan Tibbet maybe, um, but could never do for the sixty seventy minutes. The best players get annoyed with themselves for not doing the basics well, um, and that's the type of guy that Connor is. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. I, I spoke about this Connor on the on the hurling show, and Paddy Stapleton made a good point that like he's a teacher. And like, I mean, you could have a full class. A lot of his students, when they're asked to stand up and, you know, read something or talk, they're shy and they're introverted. And like, sometimes we expect Gaelic footballers. And like, I do agree with Joe's wider point. I think he took a very, picked a very bad example here with Conor McCarthy, that a lot of the interviews are a little bit boring and a lot of them seem scripted. But there's an awful lot of cliches come out of interviews. But you're, if you're an, a shy individual or not an, an, an extrovert and you have a camera put in your face for the first or second time, a, a microphone put in your face, without being told to do it, you know, you'll come back and you say, well, we're not getting too far ahead of ourselves. You know, you say it's a team effort. You say, you know, we've a lot of work to do. You'll, you'll throw out all those cliches only because you're reaching for something to say because you're not really that person that can get on and entertain the nation on TG Cahar or RTE. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like I'd say some of the people that, that go up for those interviews, Willie, are more, they're more nervous about those two minutes in front of a camera <laughs> than they are, you know, about 70 minutes playing, you know, in front of 80,000 people in Crow Park. It's just some people aren't wired that way. Do you know what I mean? So, like, we can't, it's, it's unfair of, you know, it's unfair of Joe to expect... Uh, like, and like even this, this this individual one, I didn't think that interview with Conor McCarthy was bad. But just to, you know, he like it was a very general kind of attack he made. Like, what's wrong with young people nowadays? Do you know what I mean? As you said, he, <laughs> he, took, he took the kind of he took the wrong example with Conor. But even it was just not everyone is wired like you, Joe. Not everyone has to be like you. And I think that's 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 the appeal of it. Some people 
you know, will 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 throw out cliches because that's what they're most comfortable doing. Some people throw out cliches because they just couldn't care. Whereas then occasionally then you land on some people who are happy to talk and who are very eloquent and, you know, don't mind saying something interesting because they're comfortable dealing with the fallout as well. So I just don't like that kind of one size uh, one size fits all approach that that, that Brawley's on about there, even though he did pick a particularly bad, bad example here with, with Conor McGarrett. Yeah, and, and I think briefly, Wally, if you look at the context of Gaelic games and Gaelic footballers, they're amateurs. So there's no commercial value in somebody throwing out a soundbite that's going to get loads and loads of hits and all of a sudden there's a, an extra dartboard on Conor McCarthy when he's going out uh, in his game on Saturday, Sunday week versus rugby or soccer where, you know, there is probably commercial responsibilities there and sponsored responsibilities where you do have to be bigging up the sport, bigging up the players uh, to create a bit of atmosphere around the game. Yeah. Whereas in, the Gaelic footballer is, he's going work and he's going studying or he's going doing whatever else. So he doesn't necessarily need all that uh, extra attention. Yeah, exactly. I, I have to say, I've been guilty of it in the past without really thinking of Paddy Stapleton's point of, you know, they might be a shy individual. I just presume when I hear a cliche that they've been told to give cliches and that might not be the case. So I've learned something from but that Joe's is the mistake. Case, but that is also the case, Willie, though. Like, obviously, oh, there are players the that, Yeah, there yeah. are players that yeah, do yeah. throw out the cliches on yeah, purpose. Yeah. Well, if you look at uh, Michael Dara's career uh, doing interviews, uh, he, he's a super fella, uh, loads of fun and comes out with random stuff. Uh, as he was probably uh, more coached by by uh, by by Pat and certainly uh, particularly Jim, his, his his statements were boring. Yeah, you know, there's no interest. Yeah. In but that's not who he is. Like you know, no, no, I know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Dublin but, are an extreme. Maybe Dublin have kind of made yeah. me be be suspicious of every player. Yeah, but there yeah. are players that maybe do it out of nervousness or whatever as well. So maybe I've we've all learned something here today, lads. At the end of the <laughs> at the end of the show, all right? We'll leave it there, lads. We'll be up with Sam Mulroy next. So a lot of people are keeping their eyes on Loud this year since the appointment of Mickey Hart and to chat to us about how they're getting on. Their captain Sam Mulroy joins us on the line. How's it going, Sam? All's good, Colin. Thanks for, thanks for having me. No problem at all. Um, there's a bit of buzz around Loud football. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think um, the, the Mickey Hart appointment put, um, put, a, put a massive uh, statement out from Loud GEA and um, I think it was a shock to everyone. So definitely a buzz around the county and, and it's been a long time since there was a buzz like that in our county. So... Um, it's brilliant and, and all the players are enjoying it big time Yeah and you, you've bounced back well because like I mean the first game at home you know it was a bit of a disappointment losing that because I have like I was definitely looking out for that result above a lot of other results you know and I'm sure it was a big a, a big disappointment and a big worry for you but again you've bounced back well from it Yeah absolutely look I think there was a lot of emphasis as you said everyone was looking out for it you know that sort of way and there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure I suppose riding on that match from a loud point of view and I think even for the, for the boys, Mickey and Gavin against their old um, their old uh, players, I suppose was a big one for them as well personally. So there was a lot riding on it, and look, we came out the wrong side of it um, by a point. And Antrim looked pipped us at the end, um, but look, I think we played very well in patches of that match. If if anyone seen it, and we could have easily snuck out, and maybe it might have papered over a few cracks. So look, as I always say, you take a lot from learn, take a lot from losing, and you learn an awful lot. So um, maybe it was a blessing in disguise. And, and as, as you said, we bounced back very well. I thought. Yeah, you definitely did. And you're running up pretty good scores as well. Like like you said, because it's Division 4, anyone that has seen it, I haven't seen it. So you're going to have to fill me in. Like Mickey, like the counter-attack style with Tyrone. Like, I mean, is that kind of how you're playing or how would you describe it? 
Yeah, so look, uh, the, the boys love um, high energy, high um, octane game. That they, they demand a lot of you, um, from and they and they really are chasing them um, high high GPS numbers and stuff. So look, the, the lads are putting a big shift on the pitch. Um, I think we were up on eleven k against against Sligo last week. Um, some of the players were hitting eleven k and that sort of way. So there's there's a lot of a lot of good stuff been done by a lot of players and the boys are the boys are putting high demand on us, which which is great. Um, look. Look, we we have different styles of play. We we go attacking from the front. We go we go chasing the ball then, and then we're we're clever enough to know when to to sit back and hit teams on the counter attack. And it's finding that nice balance, a nice mix of of attacking and defensive football. And look, Mickey's brilliant. He he he's he's always giving out about people calling him defensive. I think he he thinks <laughs> it's attacking the way that when we break with the ball and we sit back and we suck in and, and we turn you over, that's attacking. And it is in a sense of. Um, when you see lads running at pace up the pitch and getting ahead of the play, that is very attacking. So, um, look, he probably take he has this little bit of reputation to be to be maybe negative, but uh, from what we've seen so far, definitely not anything negative about it. I suppose. Well, it is called counter attack, right? So, like, I mean, I, su- I suppose the criticism the criticism would be if you do that the whole time, it becomes predictable. You know. Yes, absolutely, and that, and, and as I said, I think that, that noise mix is is the key to everything, and I think a lot of teams are trying to do that now. They're trying to bring back this attacking style of football, but as you've seen in Division One matches, the amount of goals that are going in, um, so it's finding that noise mix, um, of of being solid at the back and and also able to, to play up front. So, um, look, we're trying the same. Um, we're trying to be clinical up front to create loads of chances and, and obviously shutting down at the back when you have to, and it's just about managing managing the game. I think. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm, I'm, and I saw you saying in another interview, you said Mickey Hart has been asking you the question, why are you here? Why do you want to do this? And I don't know, I just thought it was an interesting question to be putting to you, like, why are you here? Because a lot of the time you can go from year to year, you know, just plodding along, especially in the lower divisions without going, maybe asking yourself that question. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and um Personally, I try to demand a lot of myself and, and always try to, to learn or get better um, every time I go out in the picture, every time I go to training. But then you do have to ask yourself a lot of the time, why, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And as you said, it is easy to go through the motions, especially when, look, you don't get that much publicity down the bottom divisions. Are we realistically going to win the Lens Championship in All-Ireland? Probably not um, in, in the near future. So, look, you do have to find a why and, and it has to be strong enough for... That when the when push comes to shove in a match that you have a strong enough way to get you out of it and get you through um, a battle. So look, I think Mickey Mickey has his own way, and Gavin has his own way, and I think we as players need to need to have our own way as well. Um, and it's about putting Lloyd back back in a good position um, for years to come. I think is is a big driving factor of our team now. I'm I'm picturing your first players meeting um, when you're allowed to do it. There's a big Y put on the big in the big whiteboard <laughs> up the top, and you just scribble down some words, and then they were included to it. Am I am I hot here? or Am I very cold? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you're, you're you're nearly there. You're nearly there. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I mean, this is the thing with probably Mickey needs to fix with Loud, and I'm just looking in from the outside. Very inconsistent county, like, are capable of going from Division Four to Division Two with Colin Kelly and going straight back down again. Uh, brittle confidence when things start going against Loud, it's like the whole season's over rather than kind of putting the shoulder to the wheel. You know, like, like I mean, are these things that you might have identified as 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 issues? Yeah, absolutely. Look, over the last few years, we haven't been consistent enough. We haven't been good enough. Um, as, as you said, we got back-to-back promotions um, under Colin Kelly. Then we, we went straight back to him and nearly nearly to, I think, in, in the space of three three years. Um, look, and, look, we had a good run maybe last year or the year before, two years ago. 
Um, we, we were kicking the ball away from beating Westmead. We drew the match and, and they went up instead of us back up to Division 2. So look, these things swinging, swinging roundabouts. And I think it's about putting inconsistent performance over a long period of time, over five, ten years to, to get ourselves back in, in Division 2, Division 1, where we want to be, you know, that sort of way. So um, look, there's, there's lots of work to do um, to get up to that standard and, and consistently perform well and get results. And, and look, they say winning's a habit, losing's a habit as well. And um, look, that happened us last year. We, we just couldn't stop losing matches. Um, we'd, we'd be playing well and look, Tipperary bats and draw the last year when we were playing brilliant football and we didn't win the match. Same happened against Offaly. Um, look, we're playing good football and we can't win. And, and as I said, losing's a habit sometimes. And it's about breaking that trend and kind of reinstilling confidence in the players. And, and Mickey and Gavin are doing that. Um, and look, winning obviously helps big time um, to create morale and, and the team spirit. So the last two wins have been massively important to us. Yeah, like I mean, last year was a weird one. You got relegated. You lost in the championship by two points to Longford, who you know were decent. But you were competitive in all your games in the league. Like it wasn't the disastrous league, you know, potentially, you know, that that it looked on paper. And I know Wayne Kieran's your manager. It had gone so well in the first year uh, for him. You know, you were playing great football, and he I had him on the show here, and he believed in you know good uh, kicking football and attacking football. Yeah. And for whatever reason, last year that just wasn't getting you over the line. No, it just didn't happen. And and little things make massive differences at, at that uh, at intercounty level. And um, look, we lost a few players. A few players didn't want to turn out for late, and and that has to change over the next years. And I think Mickey is is bringing that buzz back. And every, look, everyone wants to play for Mickey Hart, you know, sort of way. And if you don't, you're in the wrong sport. I think so. Look, Mickey's bringing that element back where we have the best players in line on the pitch. Um, and that's helping look and as, as you said our first year on the Wayne went very well we were as I said a kick ball away from promotion and then the next year you go and lose every match in the league except your last one when we were already relegated so um, and then we, we got pipped in a championship match that um, was with a bit, bit of a freak one in, in Mullingar and in the spilling rain so look it didn't go well for Wayne as last year and, and as players and, and as, as a player I take great responsibility in that we didn't do we didn't do good enough and that has to change so um Look, I think Mickey's driving it on, and if things aren't good enough, he'll just tell you, and, and it'll change, and that sort of way. So, um, he's not he's not here to, to mess around, I suppose, or pass the time. I'm fairly sure that win against Down in the last game got Leash promoted. So I have to thank you guys for that one. And what we, nobody was expecting, <laughs> nobody was expecting that. You mentioned everybody back. Kieran Byrne is back. Andy McDonald is back. You know, like I mean, is there is there anybody left that mightn't have played? Like I presume it's like Leash when Mick O'Dwyer took over the team. Just you know, everybody's back. You know, looking to play. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think we'd I think when they, the boys trialed back in November, December time, I think there was there was seventy players trialed over the space of two weeks. And um, the last time they got a trial match with seventy players out of it, I don't know. It's in the history books, you know, sort of way. So, um, to get everyone to turn out for Laid like that um, was was massive. Um, and lads wanting to play for Laid again um, was a big thing, I think, for for the county. And look, it puts you in a good position when you're picking from the best players. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent in there, a lot of really good footballers, but it's it's about getting them on the pitch and, and and having them there over a consistent period of time. There's too many lads dropping out like the end of last year after COVID, a lot of lads didn't come back that would have played earlier on in the league. And then you have an unsettled team every year and you can't build on anything then. Um so look, I think over the next three to five years, if Mickey stays in place there, um, you can build something really special. Yeah, why did they drop out? Like, I mean, is it just the fact that they don't see it going anywhere? Do they play soccer? Soccer so big and loud, you know, with Drogheda and Dundalk. Like, I mean, what would there like? Would there be consistent reasons for them leaving, or would it would it just be you know not be able to draw any conclusions from it? 
Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one. Like, like I could never imagine my life without football. Um, and then you sometimes look, um, maybe just don't buy into it like that, or, or maybe just family reasons, personal reasons. And then I suppose the COVID thing was a big thing last year. You went, you went five or six months without football, and then you're getting thrown back into training five nights a week, you know, sort of way. So look, yeah. lads, maybe didn't want to give up that time again. I don't know. Um, it's a strange one. Um, and look, clubs have obviously a big factor to play. I think. Um, we've only two star games here in, in Loud, so you miss two league matches with your club and I think they're trying to change that at the minute here in Loud and there's uproar with clubs you know, sort of way. so it's mental I think everyone has to buy into the one thing if, if something's to change we can't keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results I think that's the definition of insanity and I'm saying it's ages so um, look I think change has to happen people have to allow change to happen and I think if lads want to be there they will be there and it's about having the right players there then I suppose to, to make that happen yeah, you're following on your form from last year anyways. Like, I mean, you made headlines last year. You're only 23. This is only your third year at senior into county level. Like, I mean, you made headlines last year for scoring 1-7 against Longford and that's um, all the entire team scored. So I remember that being um, pointed out. I'm sure you, you reminded your teammates after about four points <laughs> later on that night that you were the only one that scored. I know I got, I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of stick or whatever about that but you one, should but, be you should be uh, given the stick not, not I know, receiving yeah, I know no, I didn't even realise at the time that, that was the funny thing I went back into the restroom after and obviously deflated and, and, and ripping that we obviously didn't get the win um, and then someone asked me did you score everything and I was kind of thinking Jesus did I I was like oh that's not good um, no wonder we were back <laughs> so <laughs> look it was a strange one um, look it's a freak thing I don't think it'll ever happen again Um Look, that was just the way it was, and, and as I keep saying, it's about um, it's about we, not me, and we didn't get a result, and that was the most important thing on the day. Um, so look, we have to learn and build from that. And as I think we've seen over the last few weeks with Lads results, we've we've had loads of different scores, so that's positive as well. Yeah, no, I've noticed that you've definitely getting lots of different scores right throughout the team, but that's a feature of Mickey's um, kind of maybe game plan. Um, you've scored four eleven so far in the three games this year. You're, are you alternating in between eleven and fourteen? Yeah, look, the boys are freeing me up a little bit more. I would have always, maybe last few years, even at my club, I would have been stuck to a full forward position closest to the goals, I suppose, was was the thinking behind that. The closer to the goal I am, the probably the more dangerous I'd be perceived in all that sort of way. So, yeah. Um, but now over the last while, I think I've adapted last year, playing the 40 with my club in, instead. And look, I get a lot more freedom out there. It's as the game opens up around the middle of the pitch, and you're kind of harder to mark, you know, that sort of way. And you can be a little bit freer. So, um, look, the boys are trying to adapt that with me as well, and, and have the ball in my hands as much as possible, and and I'm loving that, and um, that's all any player wants. You know, sort of way to have the ball as much as possible, and trying to make things happen, um, and, and I'm enjoying that role. You know, sort of way. Yeah, was that McGuinness anything behind moving you out to eleven there with your club? I know he was involved. Yeah, J- uh, Jim was down with us last year a few times, so um, Jim might have had a role in, in making that happen. But uh, actually, our club manager, um, Fergal Real, um, who would have managed um, Paddy Keenan, that was obviously a lead star from for many of the years. So he managed him with his club and kind of was trying to mould the same, I suppose, thing around playing out around the middle and having the ball as much as possible. So uh, I have to give a little bit of credit there to Fergal Real, maybe as well. Fergal Real, Jesus, you're well able to attract the names anyway, McGuinness and Mickey Hart. You're you're, you're you don't take uh, second best. <laughs> No, you're mad. What, what we did that for? <laughs> <laughs> Come here, you're only 23. Like I said, did Mickey make you captain or are you captain as a result of your club winning the county final last year? Uh, no, Mickey made me captain, yeah. Very good. That must have been a very proud uh, moment. Yeah, absolutely. A big, a massive honour for um, me, myself and uh, my family and the club. You know, that sort of way. So it was, um, it was a little bit of a shock for me. Obviously, it was obviously a dream since I was young and um, I, and obviously one day I, I hoped it would happen. Um, maybe I didn't think it would come this soon or this young. 
um, as young as I am. But um, look, I'm, as I you said, I'm playing with Laid three years now. I've, I've been in the around the senior squad for five years. So um, look, I'm really one of the older lads at this stage. Or have a bit of experience there. So look, it was a great honour, and, and I'm thankful that Mickey has that trust in me to to, to lead the team. Yeah, and like I mean, when you do, you take captain seriously. Like I mean, you know, do you? I don't know. Like try to be a leader off the field as well as on the field, or like some captains kind of just go up for the toss, if you know what I mean. Or does Mickey give you scope to be, you know, to be more of a leader? No, look, um, I haven't changed too much in in what I do or what, the way I go about my business. Um, do you know, sort of way. I think he he picked me for a reason in the first place, and um, for what I done and how I behave. So, look, I haven't yeah. tried to change that. I got I got it for those reasons. So, um, look, I haven't changed too much. Obviously, maybe I put a little bit more focus and emphasis on looking after maybe lads around the dressing room a little bit more and making sure everyone's okay and and, and enjoying it is, is the most important thing. And everyone's been looked after the right way. And um, look, maybe that's the only thing I've changed a little bit is been aware of other people um whereas normally i'd rock up the train and i'd fully focus on myself when i just feel a little bit more responsive maybe responsibility maybe to to make sure everyone's um on focus and on time for training or whatever it is but yeah um, look mickey's put a lot of responsibility in my hands and, and lets me kind of manage the team um as best i can and and call the shots um we call them together or whatever so it's it's been brilliant and it's a it's a great learning curve for me yeah, you've set up your own business there. Um, you've got your own gym. Do you want to give it a shout out or when did you set this up? Uh, like, it, it hasn't been a great time for the last year and a half for gyms. Yeah, absolutely. Mental to set up a gym um, business uh, right before lockdown. So um, it wasn't great at the start. Look, we, we were we were flying busy before um, before COVID hit and then, look, obviously COVID shut us down. And, and look, we adapted like everyone else. We went online and, and online took off that way and it's probably something we never would have dreamt of doing. Um, so look, you just adapt and you overcome. So it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. So um, look, it's a, it's a learning curve again. And look, we're, we're thankful that we're back open now on Monday the 7th. So we're looking forward to that. We're back outdoor doing classes and stuff at the minute. So um, yeah, it's been brilliant. And, and as I said, a learning curve. And I learned a lot about myself and um, and a lot of challenges faced um, over the last year. So look, it's been exciting and I'm looking forward to the future and seeing what I can do with it. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I'd be down in the Portleash Park. There's like a... There's a, a bar that I can do chin-ups on and I do press-ups and sit-ups and there's a fella every every day. I, I go down two or three times a week while I've gotten a bit lazy recently, but he's setting up, he brings down his music and he sets up like a, a like a circuit training, like a boot camp yeah. kind of thing. And he does his own he does his own class down in the public park. Like, I mean, you have to right. adapt and try to make, make whatever you can do, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. Make do what you got. Exactly, that's it. Come here, um, Carlo, next week. Um... They're obviously not the defensive team that they used to be. You know, it'll be a good, um, exciting game. It's away. Um, you've had to, you have to go to Dr. Cullen. 200 Carlo people jammed into it. Um, <laughs> there'll be fans back by the time this is played. So look, listen, things are looking up and there's definitely some abuse co- going to come your way. But sure, isn't that what you're there for? Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, it, it. It motivates me a little bit, I suppose. So, look, it'll be great to have people back in the stadium. I think you've even seen over the weekend up in the north yeah. and the atmosphere it brings and, and people that buzz back to the matches. So, look, really looking forward to that Carlo match. And as you said, um, hopefully it'll be an open encounter uh, with lots of scores and hopefully we come out on the right side of it. Yeah, well, listen, best of luck, Sam, and thanks very much for taking the call. Colin, thanks, man. I appreciate that. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh really? Yeah, I wouldn't be asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. 
Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> <laughs>